0: Heineken Rugby Weekly on the 42.e. you know the scale of this stage every week we bring you behind the lines with expert analysis tactical insights and engaging conversation around the international and club season our expert analysts will ask the hard questions and answer any you might have each Thursday we'll also have a feature interview with some of the biggest names and most interesting characters in the game Marty Moore on duty this week with Mary Kinsler. and if you want to get more from that game join Heineken Rugby Club whose members enjoy exclusive rewards like match tickets and more visit heinekenrugbyclub.com and remember to enjoy Heineken responsibly, especially over this festive season, and visit drinkaware.ie on how to do so. My own name is Gavin Casey. I'm joined in studio by Murray Kinsler, the aforementioned Murray Kinsler. How are you, Murray? I'm very good. How are you, Gavin? Very well, thank you indeed. And we're also joined by the returning Andy Dunn, the wandering man that is Andy Dunn. How are you, Andy? <laughs> I'm
1: very well, thanks, thanks, Gavin.
0: We'll crack into it because we've uh, a lot to talk about. Um, let's start with the uh, bands for the two caster players. Rory Cockett has gotten three weeks for... A fairly flagrant uh, eye gouge of on Chris Clouta and Marc-Antoine Rallye has gotten a solitary week for tipping Peter O'Malley uh, onto his head. So would you say they
2: were reasonably um, lenient bands, Murray? The Rallier one was probably what you expected. Should have been a red card at the time is what the the uh, disciplinary committee were saying. Uh, the Cocker one for me is very, uh, very light. Um I think the distinction there is the contact is with the eye area rather than the eye and they split those two things a couple of years back and the low point, low entry point for eye area is now four weeks. But for me, it's just, it's too low. It's For me, it's the most disgusting thing almost you can do in a rugby pitch is go near someone's eyes, potentially blinding them um, with no other possible like positive outcome. You know, when you tackle someone high, the possible positive outcome was a big hit if you, if you got that legal. If you're kind of scratching around at someone's face, I just, apart from a, a horrible act, um, and probably one that's done in the heat of a game when there's a lot of adrenaline and, and casts a gone out to really disrupt Munster, but um, for me, three weeks for that is is just not enough. Um, I don't know, I, I remember playing in France, uh, like lower, lower leagues, but it was rife over there and I remember it happening to me, the, your man didn't get his finger into my eye, but it's the most frightening thing, you know, someone yeah. scrabbling around and... I just think it's disgusting, really, to be honest. particularly
0: um, when you can't defend yourself. Like clothes exactly, in, that, in yeah. that situation is your buried. hands are
2: pinned and, yeah. and that. Um and it was brought to Barnes' attention in fairness. He's, he kind of referenced it to the siding commissioner. But I just think just get it out of the game, even if it's not deliberately trying to get into his eye, it's just a dangerous area to be in. And three weeks from me is not enough. You mentioned the heat of battle there. Like,
0: Andy, I don't know if that would be a person's natural inclination in the heat of battle. It's a very, if you were in a scrap, even on the street, which I never have been, but if you were, I don't think you're going for the guy's eyes.
1: No, it's low, low down kind of ratty stuff. Joe Pesci and Goodfellas. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's not, it's just not. I, I fully agree, Mary. I, I can't fathom why it's such a low ban. I mean, it's not going to eradicate anything by giving some three weeks. So um, yeah, and I I don't get where that instinct comes from, even like you said in in a guttural moment when you're you know you're you're pinned you know or you're in trouble or your backs to the wall, to stick your finger in someone's eye. It doesn't fit. It seems to be a cultural thing in French rugby as well. It's been mm. going on years, but it doesn't happen in England. Doesn't happen in the Pro Fourteen. Doesn't happen in South Africa and New Zealand. Mm. Like I don't know why it's it's prevalent so much in French rugby, but it is. Mm, it's a dirty game
2: over there. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend anyone going down the leagues there. To be honest, unless you like brawling. If brawling is
0: your thing, then get stuck in. Well, if I was going to be lining out uh, against yourself, I'd probably dodge it alright, right. Maybe go lower leagues in England or something. <laughs> um, well, I suppose it's not all bad news for French rugby. Um, well, firstly, Castro one will be coming back to that uh, later in the show. But uh, it looks like Toulouse are back, Murray.
2: Yeah, really impressive performances over the last couple of weekends against Wasps. Going away, obviously, and winning 24-16 and, and quite a gritty performance. And then back uh, over on their home patch and a similar performance to what they had against Leinster. Like, really kind of jouet, classical Toulouse Roby offloading, Ches and Colby leading it with his footwork, but also that kind of gr- uh, crop of homegrown players which we spoke about after the Leinster game. Guys like Ramos and Entemac and, Tamak and Bezzy. um, Even in the front row, the actually for the starting tight five were Toulouse kind of bred players. So it's a, a really nice core, which has always been important to Toulouse, to to have that kind of identity and that spirit. And they're attacking rugby, while different to maybe Leinster's and Ireland's certainly less structured and, and more about offloading and um, individual uh, ability to identify space. It's just so enjoyable to watch. And they're second in the top 14 again now, having had a couple of really barren and, and tough years, um And really, for someone like me who kind of grew up watching those really brilliant Toulouse teams and uh, kind of falling in love with rugby based around those teams, it's just such an exciting time. So long may continue and, and I just think it's really welcome for the game.
1: Yeah, contenders
2: for you, Andy, in Europe?
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And a team that has, or uh, I suppose a whole club and city that is rediscovering its identity and philosophy and culture. It's, it's the type of rugby when they're on song and kind of... It, well it makes your heart sing to watch it and that Wasps game. Um and then to we must pay credit to Wasps as well. There was it was a superb attacking game. I mean there were tries coming from all angles, from depth. There was um a lot of courage, there was a lot of invention, there was a lot of a lot of um just just good, skillful rugby on show, good handling, uh, evasion, the type of stuff we don't get enough of. When we see so much impactful contact-based rugby, it was kind of free-spirited, free-flowing stuff that Toulouse was again, and I think they are consistently doing it. Um And this guy, Reggie Son Murray, said, oh, yeah. very, you you interviewed him last year? He's
2: uh, down in Bannon, qu- yeah He's
1: quintessential Toulousian, toulouse Toulousean <laughs> yeah. man.
2: I drove down to Bannon. He he did a, the director of rugby in the school and and the club there uh, for a couple of seasons. Drove down like you know, obviously like Cork landscape, and then this man with a beret." Bonjour, nearly leans in for the two kisses on the two cheeks yeah. and an amazing philosophy in life and enjoying himself while while coaching rugby and he's gone straight back to the professional setup and by all accounts he's made a real good impact on those those local players so um, good to have that band and influence in there.
0: Yeah well it makes sense, band and grammar going going well in the Munster School Senior Cup as well over the last few years. Uh, London Irish. Are moving to Brentford, so they're returning to London. They're going to be playing in the Brentford Community Stadium, a capacity of seventeen thousand two hundred and fifty from the year twenty twenty. Um, It's a big move for the Murray, and and I think a nice move. They still have London in their name, so uh, and it's been two decades, I think, since they last played in the the capital there. So yeah,
2: I think it's been a case of kind of waiting for the right opportunity and the size of that stadium and pairing up with Brentford Football Club just makes sense to them at the time. I think you always kind of wait for almost a negative reaction to these things but it seems to be a widespread welcome from, from their fans and I think it's just an exciting time for the club as well. They're obviously going to have to get out of the Championship doing a pretty good job of that so far. Declan Kidney and Les Kiss are in there. You have Brendan Macken playing in the centre so there's that Irish bit of interest as well and you'd almost hope that that can even expand a little bit more that's always been the hope um obviously Irish ownership with McCrossan as well so um hopefully their rise i guess back into the the premiership continues and with that move the the growth of the club also continues so exciting times for them also
0: absolutely less exciting times for monster i believe after the weekend um let's dig into that we asked Eddie O'Sullivan last week actually are monster good a fairly straightforward question to which he didn't have the answer nor did we i, I, I think um We may have an answer now, although I do want to be uh, going in two-footed after one poor performance, but that was dire, really, against Castro. Like, they left it behind them. Whatever you want to say about Wayne Barnes, and yes, you missed uh, what transpired to be two red card, uh, where the incidents, like Munster, only have themselves to blame. We might start, Murray, with, let's say, uh, their attack. Like, Felix Jones is very highly regarded. Don't want to be throwing him under the bus personally because, obviously, it comes down to the players as well, but they looked... Rudderless, completely uh, lacked structure running
2: into each other, it was a disaster. Like, yeah, I think it's been two pretty poor weekends for their attack. You know, the first win at home obviously looked good on, on paper, um, but there was lots in it, probably left a bonus point behind them in that game. Um, and at the same time, they're you know, they're still well in contention for that quarter, f- they're in a well positioned for, for the quarter finals. But there definitely are concerns you mentioned it there, the, the lack of cohesion in, in attack is probably the most worrying thing for me. Like, in this fixture away against Cast. They really got nothing going in attack. Um there was various problems with their set piece. At times it was delivery off it. At times it just seemed that players didn't have a good understanding of where they should be and who they were running off. You saw three or maybe two or three times Joey Carberry out the back of a kind of screen, um, and then he looks to his outside, there's nothing there. He looks back inside, there's nothing there. Andrew Conway actually pushed him up the pitch at one stage. Um, you know, even on kick return, you saw Keith Earls running into Ty Byrne. Just those little um little errors that have been consistent over the last two weekends that kind of point to guys just not having that that level of understanding whether that's down to a lack of clarity in the coaching or whether that's down to players not having their detail right on those elements or, or just a lack of focus on the day it's hard for us to say from the outside but I think it is a concern that they're really not getting anything going you know even before half time they get into a really good position they win that penalty yellow card for Cockett and then they tap it they make a poor decision um, and get turned over and that the ball security was really poor. Cast, to be fair, brought a really combative performance when they weren't being filthy off the ball or whatever. Uh, They counter-rocked superbly uh, several turnovers from that source, but Munster never really remedied that problem. Um, And and, and line-out time as well, Caballero got up and even at the end, Jimeno picked them off in the the last minute um, as they tried to build a, a final attack. So there were a lot of different problems within the attack, but it just looked poor again. I think the best attacking performance of the season was against a weak Edinburgh team probably and Chris Farrell was obviously really instrumental in that. We spoke about him being really important last week, um, and it looked even um, more. He looks even more important after that performance. So um, they're obviously not far off. They're still winning European games, and this game could have been a, a a gritty win. I guess it would have been painted as that if they got two more or one more of those missed kicks. Um, so they're they're close, but I do think it is concerning that there were back to back performances in attack that that just had that lack of cohesion. Yeah, it
0: was. Uh Fairly painful stuff to watch. Andy, what did you make of Joey Carberry? Like, obviously, bearing in mind he is still very young, but he had no influence on the game from what I saw, and just had a, an off day. But it wouldn't be his first one necessarily over the last couple of months. And you, like, there is a little bit of a a grumbling starting in Monster now about, uh, for example, like JJ Hanrahan steered the team to victory the week before. Yeah. What's he thinking when he's sitting on the bench watching this? He comes on for the last what four minutes.
1: Um, well, I think JJ has had multiple opportunities as well and, and underperformed previously, but I think last the week p- prior to cash was JJ's strongest performance in a Munster jersey since his return home. I think um, the question you asked to Eddie last week is is relevant. To, are Munster good, very simply put? And my view on that is, yes, they are good, um, but they're at a crossroads. As long as they... And their support and the the expectations around Munster Rugby is that of a, you know, a, a very s- strong, strong driven forward pack with full of character and personality who are cynical enough to know how to manage a ref, win away in France. That was the Munster culture that won them a couple of European Cups that was, you know, legendary down there. But they don't have that personnel it doesn't mean they don't have good players, but their identity is, you know, we talked about Reggie Song coming back into to lose and rediscovering your identity. I think there's a monster grappling with looking at that side lose uh, in Castra versus the team that never would have lost that game 10 years ago. They just would have found a way and they would have found a way by on a greasy day, putting, Raj putting the ball in behind them, O'Connell you know, literally chatting to the ref and being in his ear all day and, and and that subtlety and that experience and leadership and that type of game that they played had a rhythm to it that you everyone could could see. They they've lost that rhythm, but they have different personnel and they won't get that rhythm with the likes of Joey Carberry. So they either change the rhythm and they allow Joey be Joey, because Joey's not Johnny Sexton and Joey's not Raj. But he is an exceptional talent, and they they need to allow him to play the game he needs to play. They they look to me like they're trying to put a square peg in a round hole. They're, you know, some of those uh, attacking options and guys running into each other and getting pushed off the field. That's a sure sign of of over coaching. You know, they're all good players, and when you look at that at that level, there's some miss. You know, me- messaging has gone off cue and. Um, there's overcoaching going on and guys are doing things that aren't in character and um, I just that's where I think the issue is they're at this kind of I- identity crossroads and philosophy crossroads at the moment
0: hmm. but after say like after a year uh, that surely comes down to coaches then I mean how how long does it take to, an estab- to establish an identity
2: it can take more than a year certainly um, but as you nation, know Leinster had a, co- a couple of bad years before they got to the point of winning the double um, but are they moving any
0: closer towards discovering that identity based on what you've seen?
2: Um, I don't think the evidence on the pitch would encourage me to, that it's going to end up at that point. Um, I do think it has been a bad couple of weeks for them. However, as Andy said, the personnel is there. You know, Carberry's there. Byrne is there. He's a different kind of second row. He allows them to play a different way. Um, they're more kind of mobile in, in, in the front row now almost. Um, Clute is is allowing them to play quick rock ball and O'Mahony is comfortable on the ball as well, having probably not done that too much uh, in the recent past. Um, Justin Carberry, I think, like it was always going to be the case that there were going to be tough days for him, as there would be for any 22-year-old at half That said, you know, missing probably two kickable penalties that he would have expected to get and hitting two really poor restarts as well, allowing casts out of their territory far too easily, that's the kind of skill error that really frustrates your pack and your teammates and himself obviously um, and they're the ones he has to learn from really quickly um, in, in terms of managing the game and understanding what it takes to win away in France that probably is a longer term thing but mm. there are certainly very fixable things for him short term as well I, you you know more about me than kicking technique Andy but those restarts for example were really frustrating I think him. the
1: restarts were, were, were poor and there's no kind of way of <laughs> of uh, sugarcoating that I would say I think his place kicking um, while he missed the kicks I think he's striking the ball immeasurably better. I think his whole technique and approach to the the placed kick has improved and I think um for example he's he's opened out his chest he's he's not hunched over the ball a lot you see a lot of kickers where they're Typically you say head down, over the ball, keep the head steady and it actually you lose power in your legs. You don't open out the hips when you kick like that. And it's actually quite an Argentinian place kicking style that he's adopted. So um and I think it suits him. So um now you can say he's striking the ball great, he can strike it great and you know, it's six inches wide, it's six inches wide with a great strike, no one cares. If you kick it like a stale loaf of bread and it goes over, everyone's happy. You know what I mean? So you can you can uh you can ponder the nice the niceness of a good strike. It doesn't matter un, until it goes over, but I would think with greater consistency, with more, more time, I think, is ultimately by the end of the season, this place kicking will have improved immeasurably.
0: Yeah, it doesn't get any easier for them, of course, going away to Gloucester and uh, <clears> hosting Exeter Chiefs. Uh, do you still fancy them to get out of the field? They are, obviously, they have yeah. their own destiny uh, within their grasp. Like
2: Yeah, well, I can understand your... I guess pessimism when I'm sensing No, 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 from no. no. I'm just asking
0: the questions uh, that people want to hear answered. Yeah, I can understand it. I no emotion here. If that's here. how I end <laughs> <how, laughs> no, no, clearly not.
2: A good cork man. <laughs> is that um, a tear down your cheek? <laughs> I, can <say. laughs> I can understand that and I think the expectation point that you raised, Andy, is real relevant. Like, at the start of the season, I certainly did not expect him to win a cha- uh, Champions, a C- Heineken Champions Cup or even a Pro 14 title, to be honest, this season. Next season, potentially, yes, because Van Granitzen had a full season in charge. Mm as have his coaching staff um, and you're moving on to a new level of expectation. But yeah, I would expect them to get out of the group. I think it'll be very tricky. I think Exeter will give themselves a shot uh, ahead of that final weekend as well. So that is going to be a a, a brilliant game in in Tone Park. They're increasing the capacity and all for it. So um, yeah, I I would think that a home advantage for Munster in that fixture will, will help them over the line.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. They do have the opportunity to bounce back and listen, they've done that plenty of times over the years as well. Now Murray, your interview this week is with uh, Marty Moore of Ulster.
2: Yeah, fantastic couple of weekends for for Ulster. We spoke with Eddie last weekend about could Ulster kind of back it up and and they definitely did. They hit probably another new benchmark for themselves. So just started by asking Marty what they felt they'd done really well collectively
3: over the last couple of weekends. Um I think I think we well I spoke about it, I suppose in the press maybe last week after after the first game the MA game was was the general intensity that we kind of played a rugby at was the was the foundation for everything. I think there was, especially the first game of of, of, the, of the two was we didn't have a lot of possession and we didn't have a lot of territory at times in the game. But our discipline was good and and uh, we when we did have the ball we we put a lot of uh, intent into our carries and a lot of pace in the ball and our, our breakdown speed was very good and he that's something that we improved on the weekend gone. So um, I think. The simplest answer probably is that is that is that pace and intensity that we played the game at. Yeah. It wasn't like we had a lot of trick moves and, and we just kind of anytime we we had a chance to fire shots, we kind of made them count. So uh, as a squad, that's that's something that we've from day one we set out to be to be our kind of defining defining factor going forward, and to be kind of showcasing that a little bit now is is, is a good feeling on the squad, and I'm sure the coaches are happy to see us to see us do that. So it's hopefully something that we can continue to to push on and kind of be, be the minimum standard I suppose that rugby that we, that we play
2: yeah definitely it's been great to watch the scrum obviously has, go, has gone well and, and winning penalties in that area and obviously giving the backs they've scored quite a few tries off that kind of platform what do you feel maybe as a pack that has been behind that aspect of the in performance and the improvement there
3: uh, I suppose I think I, I've I've played maybe eight games now so I've been there since the summer obviously with, with training and pre-season and was unfortunate to miss a few of the first few games but I think it's it's more of a, of a of a time thing I think and it's the same I suppose with the backline the same in any system or unit that you can't just throw guys together and expect them to to come up with a cohesive unit in a, in a matter of weeks generally speaking and I think we've we've been kind of working on on a way of a way of kind of our, our set piece functioning the way we wanted to whether that's lineout ball or, or scrum and um, it's kind of like week by week guys it Guys improving, myself included, and, and getting to know each other, and, and know what people want, and and, uh, and obviously then like young guys um, coming through the ranks and and improving at, at a rate of knots as well, which which is really boosts the side. So uh, there's probably there's probably a few different aspects to that, but the biggest thing I think is just time together and kind of all being on the same page.
2: Yeah, you mentioned the young guys like Erico O'Sullivan has done really well over there on the loose head. Yeah, exactly. Like Rory Best was talking this week about how happy he was with the scrum and obviously he's a, he's a good man to keep happy he's very influential but um, just in terms of that, that cohesion that you three guys have managed to get and attacking the scrum he's talking about now he feels like you can go after teams in that area that must be big for, for props
3: Yeah, yeah I, th- I, think, I, I think I suppose when I came into my, my first game my first game was against Leicester, so I didn't want to be coming into that game saying I suppose oh we're going to we're going to do this and making big statements. so you kind of want to want to get in and build on kind of performances and we were probably a little bit cautious for the for the la- first few weeks and even when we went away to racing and that we were a little bit we'll, we'll manage these guys and physically like we knew obviously the mismatch in terms of size that we were up against so we had to kind of box mark but I think that confidence is building now we're, 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 at, we're at a time now with the squad and uh, as a forwards unit that we know we can we can start to push beyond sort of parity and, and that's not something that we aim for now it's something that we aim for as using our set piece as a weapon, I suppose, and, and, and using it to our advantage in games. So, and um, whether that's just a simple platform for the backs, or whether that's to to try and eke out penalties out of teams, um, it's, it's something I suppose, like I said, it's it's building every game we go, and um, hopefully it can be become really a, a strength of ours as we go throughout the season.
2: Yeah, D- Dan McFarland's obviously made an impact there, and literally nearly every interview we, we talk to players it's talking about fighting for inches so clearly that philosophy is kind of sinking in what else has he done well like maybe even with you personally just uh, to to bring about those improvements
3: um, I think if Dan is very like from day one and, and from before I suppose um, we've we ever kind of gone through a coach just speak, speaking on the phone and that like you, you can speak in for two minutes and, and, and understand how passionate he is about rugby he's really he's really bought into it to us the rugby as a whole and um, I think that like especially with new players like myself and other guys like that when you see the head coach that enthusiastic about everything day to day it really it really leads to, it leads the feeling of, of confidence around the place and um, I think that that is something that isn't kind of maybe tangible um, mm. at, at times but it makes a huge difference to, uh, to the players and the feeling of the camp and um, like that that's something that's been huge and also just that like I said that intensity like it, we everything is is about kind of metres per minute and, and time off the ground and um, like it, it's just every like he has the guys kind of on our case the whole time about about playing at what he calls collective speed so um, which is which is kind of constantly pushing every player to be to be better and, and improve, the, improve the group I suppose as a whole then so uh, I think they've been the the, the key kind of factors for me um, as a, as a new player under under Dan that that have made the biggest impression on me and and probably helped me improve um, the last the last few months.
2: Yeah, great stuff. How's life in Belfast been for you? Obviously, like a few familiar faces there from Ireland and, and even from Leinster. How have you settled in there?
3: Yeah, I think I think like you say, like familiar faces always make things a lot easier, and um being being a lot closer at home as well, like knowing. It, it, with a rugby schedule, you don't get a lot of a lot of days off to to travel home, but at least you know in the, in the back of your mind that you can not jump in the car and, and be at home in an hour and a half. So, um, yeah, I, I think the, the transition was 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 pretty easy, like going into the rugby environment here. And from day one, it was uh, it was it was pretty good. It didn't feel like you were the it didn't feel so much like you were the new guy kind of coming into a, an environment. I suppose part of that was that there was so much so much change I suppose to the to the whole organization with, with us the rugby from from kind of management and coaches to, to players as well. So um there's a lot of guys there and a lot of, and a lot of young guys as well have kind of come through through the ranks as well to the senior squad. So across the board it was there was quite a lot of change. So um I think there was a lot of people in, in, in the same boat we felt. So uh that that kind of it was a good time. I, I suppose to be to be coming to the team and to uh to be settling in and, and really really enjoying myself so far and enjoying life and enjoying life in Belfast.
2: Yeah, I'm sure you're busy off the pitch. I think your daughter is nearly one now, is she?
3: Uh yeah, she'll be she'll be one in January. So um yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been brilliant for the island. Just um it's uh yeah, it's like just, just it's great to be to be able to pop in and out of the city and, and kind of have those options as well. And like I said with the with the family um, it makes a big difference as well with uh, with having with having the little one as well. So um, it's it's all those sort of things as well that make the make the difference off the field, which uh, make life a lot a lot more enjoyable and easier.
2: Yeah, I've spoken to Johnny Sexton, Isa, and Te'o in the past. They've spoken about how the kids kind of change their careers as well as the lives away from rugby. Have you have you had that experience that maybe it's kind of focusing and helps take your mind off a bit when you're not not actually
3: training? Yeah, I think I think definitely like it's. it's, it's <laughs> Uh, yeah, like if it's a one-year-old isn't gonna not gonna understand that you had a bad day of training or a bad a bad game. Like, so it's a matter of like when you get home, it's a it's a different mindset, and I think that's a good thing because it's it's probably something in the past that I would have spent too long kind of being being a uh, down in the dumps after a bad performance or um kind of being hard hard on myself at times with regards to with regards to simple things like training. So um I think that does change your change your perspective and it kinda of gives you even even on game days, like I'm, to this day I'm sort I'm still kind of a nervous nervous guy on game day, whether that's playing for like Lansham, like when I went back to play for my club a couple of years ago for a game or whether it's it's playing my first game here up at uh up at Ulster, like I'm always I'm always the same and I don't really think that'll ever change but kind of early in the day like having having her around and it 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 just it it brings a different vibe to your day and it it kind of takes your mind off as well so that's uh, that's been nice you know uh, this year I have to say Yeah
2: definitely obviously like consistency with Ulster for you is is really key Um, Joe Schmidt did name check you there at the start of the season I was talking to him about you know what's ahead for Ireland has he been in touch with you or is he kind of letting you just play with Ulster how does that work?
3: Uh, Yeah I think he's just he's just letting me kind of I suppose do my thing and um like I suppose the last time we spoke it was the same thing. It was just like he, he said like it's it's obviously up to me to, to get out there and play my rugby and um I know that as well as anybody. Like it's it's kind of it's up to the player to a certain point. So um for me I just I just wanna go out there and, want, and my self focus is to it's the first of all kind of earn the opportunity to play to play for Ulster um week to week and, and then hopefully I can add to their team performances and um I think like we've been lucky enough now the last the last number of weeks that as a squad we've done well and that reflects well on the players and you you kinda of look at November and see see guys that have done very well and are new to the side like um, especially like somebody like Will Addison has has, has been a huge yeah. a huge player for us at Ulster and he's already started to make, make a bit of an impact on the on the international setup as well. So um like obviously those rewards are there and um it's just, I suppose, it's, it's kind of out of the, the players' hands to an extent, whether, whether they come around or not. But um, hopefully I can do everything uh, on my side of it anyway to, to try and uh, try and put myself in a, in, a, in a good position for that.
2: Yeah, the, the desire must be still huge. Obviously, you had those 10 caps and, and had some big wins under Joe. I mean, with, with the World Cup ahead next year, it would be the ideal time to, to really get that f- consistency of performance and, and push back in there.
3: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. Like there's there's a lot of guys I suppose um, that are that are playing some very good rugby as well in my position in Ireland. So it's not it's not just about I suppose what I do, but um, yeah, like you say, if if I can if I can be playing consistently and, and improving on performance on performance for us, so it's it's definitely gonna help my case uh, uh on a on a test stage. So um yeah, that's really all I suppose I can say in it. It's not like I said, <laughs> there's nothing else. Uh, there's no other factors I can control in that, in that matter. So hopefully, um, hopefully, I can continue to play play well for Ulster and, and get the chance to play for Ulster. And uh, we'll see, we'll see us and take it from there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And a, a big couple of weeks ahead. Obviously, having had maybe some like kind of underperformances, maybe in the Pro 14 just before you got back into Europe. Now you have the momentum. How important are these three um, back to back to uh, back interpros now for for Ulster?
3: Yeah, I, I always think it's an, it's an interesting time in year because people kind of view Europe as, I suppose, the big games. But really, like it's the intensity in these games will probably be physicality-wise. Anyway, I imagine they'll probably be possibly higher because there's always that with the Pro games. There's always that added kind of tenacity to them. So, um, and especially after the, the poor result that that we had down there um, at the start of the year with. Something got a kind of for the guys this week, I think. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, it, it's a big few weeks ahead, and um, I think it sounds terrible, but kind of Christmas is uh, Christmas kind of gets gets in the way of a few big weeks of rugby. <laughs> but we'll uh, we'll kind of enjoy our day off and, and then get back to business and um get ready for kind the following week. But yeah, this week is a uh, is a huge game, and I, I, I suppose as previously, as I used to I used to try playing. At Ravenhill at the team stand, but now it's uh, it's nice to have those supporters behind you, and it's, uh, it's a pretty nice place to play the home uh, home player. So it'll be uh the one to look forward to this weekend against Munster.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, best luck with it, and we hope that you stay fit and, and keep performing as well, Marty. And best luck for the future. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you.
0: Now Leinster back to uh, their imperious best, or near enough to it anyway. Murray a resounding victory over Bath after a, a more difficult day down at the wreck.
2: Yeah, I thought it was a much improved across the board, although in the first minute or so Francois Lowe got over the, the ball for a breakdown um turnover and you kind of feared, oh God, here we go again. Um but no it was it was really it was really improved in terms of how they provided off the set piece of platform. You saw once they get into their attacking shape and, and phase play around Johnny Sexton just how devastatingly effective they are. The Jack Conan try was a prime example. And actually interestingly on that scoring phase Lowe was actually over the ball they just about managed to clear him out and, and while it was slow ball they had lovely shape furlong with the pass out the back door and Ringrose putting Conan away low outside him as well. Um, when they get into that flow in attack they're extremely difficult to stop because everyone's individual skills are so good. All the support play is so excellent even um, for one of the tries you see Devon Toner almost pushing Gary Ringrose out of the way as if to, to get first into support and he was brilliant again, 22 tackles. James Ryan uh, superb again and also guys like Adam Byrne and Rory O'Loughlin who've probably been waiting for that big opportunity in Europe to come along again really grasping it so Lachlan obviously man the match and really solid I thought in midfield physically really robust where they missed that we, we thought uh, the weekend before um, and Adam Byrne was again physically superb and he looks back to his best he's 24 now he's probably had the frustration of being um, out of the limelight and, and playing with the A team and getting back towards full fitness. Got involvement with with the Ireland camp under Joe, although we said he probably holding tacklebacks predominantly there. But it was a sign for him that he's still in the picture there, having having got his cap last year. So he was he was excellent, worked really hard, really good in the air, and that was another key part of of Leinster's performance. They won a lot more of those collisions, and we probably underrate that at, at times with Leinster. Like looking back through their wins last season at times it was it was bullying you know when they beat scarlet's in the semi-final it was a bullying performance um, and while they score those really beautiful tries and there's really good interplay in between them it's almost like with the all Blacks as well you often forget the the physical aspect that went in before that skill level came to the fore so that was really encouraging for them and, and i think it puts them in a nice position we've we've spoken about to lose and that's shaping up as an as an absolute cracker but the, the confidence levels will answer will be right back through the roof
0: yeah what did you make of um,
1: Adam Byrne in particular actually Andy? I was delighted for him I think he um, his last kind of big European game at, at group level was this t- roughly this time last year um, in the RDS against Montpellier and I think he was criticised unfairly in that game because um, Leinster's box kicking and Ross Byrne played 10 and McGrath played 9 and they had a a clear tactic for some reason and I couldn't understand it watching the game that day a year ago to bring the ball into midfield and kick high to the wing to Nemanja Nadolo, who was the, the biggest man in the world <laughs> and he got 35 metre run ups at Adam Byrne probably five times in a row and Adam Byrne was I suppose uh, like a speed bump or a piece of chewing gum just trying to stick to him and he did it with reasonable uh, you know certainly with a lot of bravery but You know, we got bounced two or three times and people went, "Adam let's question Adam Byrne's defence. You get a 135-kilo man with a 30-yard run-up five times in a row, you know, and then you can't question someone's defence in that case. you got to question the the reason it was kicked to him five times. So that must have been a hard pill to swallow for him and then I suppose come out of the team Um, now he's got a lot of competition in front of him but there's a brilliant photo I saw after the game Uh, I think it was on Sunday uh, or Monday sports file and there was such emotion in the picture Byrne had dotted down the ball from Sexton's cross kick I mean he he was imperious the way he rose up and called it he was about a metre above Um, McConaughey I think or McKechnie the the fullback's name Um, but when he dotted down it was just a fist pump a lot of kind of aggression and anger in his expression and four or five of the Leinster players literally about to jump on top of him obviously all captured really well in this still photo Um, but I think it would have summed up a nice return for him overall.
0: Absolutely. Looking ahead to another meeting between Leinster and Toulouse uh, later in the pool like where? How do the two teams match up now, even compared to their first meeting, which obviously Toulouse won.
1: Well, I think they uh, stylistically quite similar. Um, Murray alluded to earlier that you know, the, I suppose the 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 icing and the the sugar and icing of Leinster's play out wide, and but it's built on a platform of of great strength. And the one thing I noticed um, in that first twenty twenty five minutes was their scrum, um, Leinster tend to be renowned for a, a great first phase attack, um, line breaks, and what they do is they work off what you'd call, I suppose, a stable platform to get the ball away from the eight number eight's foot fast. It, against Bath, it lingered at Jack Conan's feet for 10, 15, 20 seconds. They dropped their hips, they went for a secondary shove, and Bath started to crumple, and that happened early on, and they continued with it. They were relentless with that for about 20, 25 minutes, and I actually think that was the key to breaking down Bath physically was the scrummage and based and they have a lot of things have to go on for that to work. They have to have a lot of confidence in their scrummage to to give it a shot for a secondary shove to I suppose favour that against their very well well respected attack. But what they did was they kept the ball in the scrum for much longer and if you take that into that Toulouse game at home I think that's where they Mm -hmm. can turn the Toulouse game around.
2: How good is that see though like attacking like Joe Schmidt's philosophy has been that stable scrum and that's been prevalent all around Ireland, really. Mm. Uh, it's so good, I think, especially with guys as destructive as Keane Healy on the yeah. loose head side, he's doing so much damage to see them go after that and, and have such an area of strength, a, an area of confidence where you've never really had it in Irish rugby. It's always been, oh Christ, let's get it out of the scrum and, yeah. and try and play away. That was brilliant. Interestingly enough, the line-out has been poor in Europe. They're down to 80% now Return on their own ball and, and normally in the 14 they're about 95 percent. So that's definitely an area for the work for them to work on. But probably a bit like the golf
1: game, you know, you get your driver <laughs> right and then the
2: fairways go. But, <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, their scrum is as good as I've seen, but like you said, yeah, linehead seems to be struggling now. Yeah, that's gonna be some battle with to lose.
2: Uh fantastic result for Connacht down in France against Perpignan marie Yeah, they've got five wins in a row now and and picked up real momentum. Um And just seem in such a happy place. We spoke about Andy Friend earlier this season and uh, one of the things he's done is get a happy camp and the value of that is is quite incredible. Like speaking to a couple of players, there's so much positivity and optimism um, and excitement about how they're improving and and they feel they've got back to the point where they are literally making improvements every game. I think the frustration last season was they felt they continually made the same errors and maybe didn't review it um, not critically enough but in enough detail to, to actually get better at the, the week after so that's really improved and you're getting guys who are in really good individual form uh, Robin Copeland was really good down in Perpignan um, Keen Keller scored a brilliant try there's there's so much um, individual competition even in places where they are light in numbers you know Tom Daly's gone down to help them with their centre uh, crisis I guess but Bundyaki's back from his wedding Tom Farrell's been brilliant they've, they've so many options acro- across the board and Jack Carty's playing better than ever. Uh, David Horitz has come in and and done really well off the bench at times. So, um, yeah, things are looking really good for them. And uh, while Sale are going to be obviously strong competition out of that group in in the Challenge Cup, it's positive for them to have a good run in Europe as well, while obviously the Pro 14 is going to be their priority. Um, And now it's just interesting, you know, five wins in a row and and they go to Leinster, um, having not had a win there for a long, long time. Um, So that's going to be a brilliant game. And we know that rivalry is really spiced up in the last few years as well and probably has always been the case but now they feel they're probably in a better position than ever to to really challenge them. Yeah it's kind of a I suppose in Irish
0: terms it's a clash of ideologies like uh, West versus East but they're two teams that are kind of playing fairly extravagant attractive rugby at the moment they seem to have a a similar approach and they're both enjoying what they're doing as well so it could be an absolute cracker.
2: Yeah I think Connacht um, you know the last couple of years we've got used to them being a very uh, attack-focused team, but this season they've spent a lot of time in their defence, actually. Peter Wilkins, the defence coach, uh, spoke to him a couple of weekends ago and a lot of it has been around behaviour and, and the behaviour element of defence. You know, everyone obviously has similar structures. Technically, they're all very similar, but it's often about who's the guy willing to get up off the ground, who's the guy willing to chase back and make that conversion a little bit more difficult. Um, they've spoken about looking at Exeter in the past and a team, Exeter, who give up quite a lot of line breaks, but concede very few tries because they work so hard off the ball to, to kind of back each other up um, and that doesn't come obviously without a good culture without guys being willing to play for their coach and for each other um, and those two things are feeding into each other really well so uh, defensively as well they've, they've been really impressive and that's been an important part of it getting those um, kind of structural elements of the game really right Yeah we'll get your predictions on the two Interpros uh,
0: momentarily uh, we mentioned last week that Ulster would need to kind of put the scarlets to the sword in this uh, return game at uh, or up in Belfast rather, and they did that. It, like a bonus point victory for them, um, it leaves them in a good place. And I suppose if you had said to them before the pool that you were going to beat scarlets twice with two bonus points, mm-hmm. so one in in uh, in Clenetly as well, uh, they would have bitten your hand off. So Andy, do you think of them where, where do they stand at the moment they look to be in a uh, they're motoring nicely
1: um, Absolutely I there was a really interesting quote during the week from Rory Best I don't know if you saw it where he's you yeah. know um, I suppose I'll paraphrase it it was a long quote I can't remember exactly what it was he effectively said I got the impression in previous seasons when when we all when the international boys we went off we worked with Joe Schmidt and I came back in I think he used the scrummage as as mm. the example he got the impression the guys had kind of taken a break. Put you know, their feet when, up, is that what he said? Yeah, I think he said, literally, you got the impression Ulster players were putting their feet up. And he goes, I went into the scrum when I came back from the Irish camp after this November and it felt entirely different to how it felt in previous years. Like, you, you can't get a bigger indication from your hooker and captain that something is changing in that squad. Uh, I mean, they had a pretty horrific year um last year and... uh it's really nice to see them come out of it. I suppose when you are at the rock bottom, there is only one way to go. But they've gone so far in the other direction. It's a it's a great credit to the <clears throat> the club in general, and I think Dan McFarland, um, as in his first season as a head coach, um, you've got to you've got to pay a lot of dues to him. I think mm-hmm. it's a superb turnaround.
0: Yeah, yeah. the only way it was up, of course, as you say, there, Andy. But at the same time, like in previous years, even before they had that rotten year last season. They would have promised to do something, and they say, for example, they started was it last year's um, Champions Cup campaign with a home win against Wasp? And you think, okay, let's, let's get something going. Yeah. But then they, you know, it, it falls asunder. This time, I think the most important thing, and we'd alluded to it last week, is like for them to actually string together a few consecutive wins, big wins in Europe. And they're kind of on course to do that now. They have to. Mm, yeah.
2: They- Inconsistency was always the issue. Um, remember, like our preview of this tournament, we said them getting out of the group would be a really good achievement. It now looks quite likely that they will do that, and deservedly so, based on those two back to back performances. Like we heard Marty Moore talking about it there, how Dan McFarland is getting the best out of him individually. He's a prime example. Looks fit, looks focused, work rate is incredible around the pitch, um, scrummaging really well, which has always been his strength. Um, and there's so many guys like him, Kieran Treadwell in the second row, who Came over, did well, toured with Ireland, then kind of went off the radar a little bit, seemed to have lost a bit of that fire, who is now back uh, at his athletic best. You know, you see him chasing down kicks and, and showing off that pace that he has, uh, as well as getting stuck into the physical exchanges led by, unfortunately, Henderson obviously is, is injured now, but led by his example um, and best grit at the, at the breakdown as well there's just so many things that are going going right for them in, especially in the last couple of weekends defensively really good patient like they ha- haven't always been patient even at the start of the season giving away silly penalties against Scarlett they were going through 16, 17 phases if they needed to uh, trusting themselves and then they'd pounce when they got that turnover through Spate or Best or and um, whoever that was even the variety of their attacking game with Billy Burns I think has been a real improvement his kicking game obviously the last day 14 kicks in play and there was just such beautiful variety to it mm. in pretty tough conditions. You know, there was contestable kicks. There was kick passes almost straight across the pitch, just get it into space. Lovely grubbers in behind to pressure yeah. the scarlets backfield in, into putting it into touch. And then they score a, a mole try off that. So he's been a, a really important addition. Addison as well, his intelligence. Um, real Jared Payne-esque kind of player, isn't he? Even uh, scarlets have this move where they switch... 10-12 uh, switch and then the twelve immediately kind of screens behind the 13 to the ten. It's kinda of weird, unorthodox looking move. Uh, probably an old one, but they've brought it back again this season. In the first game against Ulster they got a really good line break through it. Addison just stood off slightly, but you see a week later they run it again and he gets really aggressive, gets up, smashes Patchel behind the gain line, um, and they have to kick the ball away in second phase. And um, so even though short term improvements have been really good and, and the scrum as, as Marty mentioned in our interview has been really good and they're getting good reward there young guys coming through as well. Eric O'Sullivan's been probably the standout over the last couple of weekends uh, but Angus Kernahan, and other guys like that have got good exposure under, uh, exposure under McFarland as well so it's real positive yeah the, the temptation now after two big ones like that is to get carried away and go oh my god they're going to be in contention to this group but I think based on our expectation at the start of the season it's been really good so far and, and hopefully for them it continues.
1: And in, in the kind of era of up to stats um, and data the, the intangibles of just a happy camp You know, and you can see it in Connacht, for example, who who were a very unhappy camp last year. I suppose you can see it across sports. You look at United and Mourinho versus a happy camp in Klopp and Liverpool. It's not to be underestimated. You know, um, we we all tend to be analytical and and look at, and we ought to, and look at stats and look at technique and tactics. But that intangible is working for them. They are immeasurably better and happy camp. Mm.
2: And Stuart Lancaster says that as well, doesn't he? he? The more you go on... I think yeah. every coach realises it's, it's massively about man management because Hugely. as you said before yeah. in this pocket, they're all good players like if you get to that yeah. level you're an exceptional rugby player yeah. in all aspects of the game but unless you're mentally in the right space it's very hard to get that out every weekend so I think uh, the Irish system is doing a good job of, of realising that and managing players physically so that their emotional well-being is, well, is in good nick as well and then having that focus on culture and at the moment yeah. it's, it's paying dividends.
0: Absolutely. Well, we'll get your predictions then for the two games at the weekend. I don't know. You're not tallying these anymore. You, I, I've lost count myself. Um, it's, yeah, short-term no bragging rights. Very sure, short. Yeah, term. Immediately I didn't worry with, you Let's, Murray, you <laughs> you're won. Giving, you're writing yourself yeah, off yeah, the yeah, season. I'm yeah. feeling yeah. <laughs> <Pretty> much. <laughs> can't, okay. really,
1: can't really fight against them anymore.
0: <laughs> uh, Leinster at home to Connacht. Um, Murray, I'll start with yourself.
2: Uh, I fancy Leinster to, to win that again. I think their depth of their squad will stand out in these next three weekends um, where the Irish internationals are going to be uh, away and rested. We we mentioned guys like Adam Byrne and, and Rory Lachlan and those guys who become really key. I thought in those Ospreys and Dragons games, the back-to-backs, that that tier of the Leinster squad was exceptional. I thought Ross Maloney, guys like Ed Byrne, Brian Byrne, um, Scott Fardy obviously was the kind of overseer of it all and Ross Byrne, a, a guy who probably would start for most other clubs in Europe really at this mm. stage coming back in having felt I didn't get enough game time in the last couple of weekends I'm going to prove my point to Leinster and to Joe and the fact that there was an, an Ireland camp at the start of this week just to remind everyone you know these games which Joe mentions all the time the the Irish Interprovincials more so than any other Pro 14 fixture count for a lot for him so I think Leinster with that depth will, will edge that one
1: Yeah I think Leinster maybe by a whisker though I don't see it being a, a big bonus point parade but um I think there's a, historically there's a lot of niggle in this fixture actually. Mm. And um, Does
0: that go back to even your playing yeah, you play yeah.
1: the both? Yeah. Um yeah, I mean I played an RDS game where Shane Jennings blindsided Andrew Farley from behind a right hook to the <sighs> back of the head and there was a sighting commissioner involved. There were there was phone calls between friends going from the west of the country to the east, uh, and can we can we manage this ourselves? Can we, you know, and there was a lot of niggle going uh-huh. on and that was um that was ten years ago. I think um Leinster have, I suppose, a little bit of latent uh anger about losing, getting picked off two or three times down in Galway when it you know, at a, at a crucial stage in a pro fourteen season. And their their annoyance at the time, whether it's Leinster arrogance or not, I don't know, was that Connacht at the time were probably underperforming on other weeks against Zebra and it's, but we're raising their game to pick off Leinster down in Galway and it grated with them because the Leinster argument being you're not doing it every week but you put it in against us and uh, it's not a valid argument but it was <laughs> a very resentful one from Leinster and I think there's a lot of nigging in that fixture so that's why I think it'll be close um, and also the fact that Connacht are Happy hmm. camp, playing really good rugby. Yeah,
2: Shane Jennings lucky there wasn't Twitter and all that stuff around back then. Yeah, man, that's yeah. great, he, is, he? he is lucky
0: because he would have got a lot longer. Lucky there were no podcasts as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, Ulster and Munster then, can we expect the, I suppose, typical backlash from Munster when they respond to a
2: defeat? I think we can expect a backlash from Ulster based on what happened down in Thomond Park mm. um, and based on their momentum. Like that was a horrific day for them down in home park. Yeah, record among, defeat. Among the worst. Yeah, a record defeat for the province. A real performance where he, it would have felt like we just rolled over and let them absolutely bully us. Um, so I think Ulster probably have the motivational edge there. Um, and Munster presumably losing a couple of their key guys mm. is going to be tough for them. Uh, Farrell obviously still not back as well. So I think Ulster really will put a put a massive onus on this fixture and continuing the momentum we mentioned in consistency yeah they've done it back to back now but can you keep that role going uh, back into Pro 14 I think for me Ulster will, will nick that one
0: yeah with that little bit of motiv- motivational edge Andy like yeah. this becomes almost like a, a third European game on the spin like there, there's a lot on the line for, for Ulster here as Murray mentions there consistency but just getting one over on a team that humiliated you earlier in the year
1: yeah I think it's uh, for me it's going to be a home win Um yeah. Uh, albeit Munster had a bad day in in Castra, and will want to bounce back. I don't see them going up to to Kingspan and coming away with a win. I think there's a bit too much momentum in the home form of Ulster and uh, allied to the fact they got that uh, unmerciful hiding uh, not so long ago. I think uh, those two things will add up.
2: It's also just important to note, like Ulster have... this incredibly loyal support and brilliant support over the last couple of years. But if you looked at that home fixture against Scarlet's, like, the pace wasn't full and at times it was it was quite quiet, I thought, in the fixture. And, and speaking to a couple of people up there, there has been that concern, the, the, the fallout of the long-term failings probably off the pitch as well with the CEO and, and all the other stuff that went on um, that people are, were probably moving away from going and supporting them. So I think a, a, a match like this represents a chance to maybe restore a bit of that pride and get people mm-hmm. back in they obviously still have good crowds, and it's a great place to for them to play rugby. But I think they'll want that full as often as possible.
1: Um, it's and that's serious atmosphere game. there when they're full. It's a mm. rocking stadium. Like it's yeah. it's a great atmosphere there when it's the game is kicking off.
0: So to win over monster and restore that pride, then you're saying it might kind of galvanize the fan base a little bit more. It's a little bit more personal when
2: it's an interpro. Exactly, and it's moving that way anyway with the last couple of weekends and a bit of belief flowing through them. So not just this weekend but the next three weekends matter for them and for everyone else it's it's going to be an incredibly interesting uh, run of fixtures in between everyone's points and hangovers uh, so we have a lot of good rugby to look forward to Thanks sweetie, God for that uh, Yeah, <laughs>
0: monster to pay the price for running up the score say the two boys that's all we've got time for thanks a million Andy and Murray and uh, Cheers. a very Merry Christmas to you both Hope you Happy have a good Christmas one. you too Happy Christmas to everyone at home as well a reminder if you want to get more from the game join Heineken Rugby Club whose members enjoy exclusive rewards like match tickets and more visit heinekenrugbyclub.com and remember to enjoy heineken responsibly and visit drinkaware.ie on how to do so we will be back again looking back on the year as a whole next thursday and until then take it